Thanks, team. Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn not to Psalms, but to the book of Colossians. Uh, the book of Colossians, where we will hang out uh, this, this morning uh, as we are uh, transitioning from our summer series of uh, Psalms of Summer back into the book of Acts. And so, uh, we're getting ready for fall, I'm sure, in the announcements, which I know, like, when how our church is, like, we, I don't know why we do announcements at the beginning, because, like, seven people are here when we start, uh, but the announcements were, uh, you know, that uh, small groups are kicking back off. Uh, tonight, we're having a small group leader training, that's a small group leaders and host homes tonight at six. Here at the church, we're doing a small group leader training. Uh, next Sunday after our service, we're having a, a church-wide lunch, kind of small group kickoff, and, and next Sunday, uh, we'll kick off what we call Forks and Friends with small groups. It's week one of small groups where we just kind of gather together, uh, eat together, and then the week after that, so the first week of September is when we'll actually begin to study uh, through or walk, walk through the discussion uh, of the book of Acts as we're, as we're preaching through it. On Sundays, and so I'll mention it now. I'll mention it later. Uh, if you're not a part of a small group, I know sometimes with a church that's with a dynamic like ours, because we don't have like Sunday school. Uh, it, you know, if we had Sunday school, it's easy to kind of find those smaller groups. Uh, but I know it could be intimidating to find a small group, or hard to transition to a small group if you don't have a natural in, if you will, if you don't know somebody that goes to a small group somewhere. And that's kind of naturally how you end up at a small group. So I know that's uh, an issue. And so uh, we want to help the best way we can in the foyer on the table to the right when you're walking out. Uh, there's a sheet there if you're not a part of a small group, uh, but you want to get help connected to one. Uh, if you'll write your name and your number there, uh, one day this week, one of the pastors will contact you and try to help you kind of fit, see where you fit. And I say small groups are like, uh, like dating. Uh, so sometimes uh, you go to a small group for the first time and you know, hey, this is the one for me. Uh, sometimes uh, it takes two or three days before the crazy comes out and you realize this isn't for me. Uh, uh, and so, uh, but anyway, and then, but you know, so just because you visit one one week doesn't mean you have to be committed to that group. Feel free to kind of shop around. Uh, we have eight, nine groups or so uh, that meet. And so anyway, we would love to help you with that. So in the foyer, uh, there is a sign-up sheet, just your name and your number and one of us. Uh, one of our pastors will contact you uh, this week. Also, be, be in prayer. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, we affirmed and voted in our next point team. Our team begins to meet this Wednesday. And so go ahead and be praying for our meeting this Wednesday night as we begin to just kind of lay foundation uh, where we're headed. And so be in prayer for us. All right, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, as I said, this is a transition-type sermon uh, where we're kind of launching into the fall, and so you know small groups are coming up. And so this morning is about uh, why it's important for us to connect to small groups. Uh, and so in Colossians chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 1, I'll read 17 verses, so bear with me, but follow along as I read. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, uh, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked but you, when, you, uh, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here then, uh, here there is not a Jew, Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12 says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, also you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, you, to, uh, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you how it is alive, it is active, it is sharp, uh, it is sufficient. Um, so God, we pray as we go to it this morning, God, that you'll give us eyes to see and you'll give us ears to hear and you'll give us hearts to believe that which you want us to see, that which you want us to hear, and that which you are calling us to believe and obey this morning. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, meet with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Colossians 3, 1 through 17, you say, Justin, how does this connect to small groups at all? I'll get there. We'll eventually arrive there. We've got to take a journey uh, to get there. But I entitled this sermon this morning, Between the Already and Not Yet. Anybody ever felt that before? You're between the, the already and not yet. Do you realize that Christianity, the gospel, is something that already is, but also not yet? It is something that we already experience, but haven't experienced fully. It is something that is already, but not yet. Uh, let's walk through this passage. First of all, look at the already. The, there, there are things in our life. When we started the book of Acts, uh, there, we talked about there's a finished work of Christ, right? We remember that. And there was an unfinished work of Christ. There was a finished work as in salvation has, is, is done. It is finished. To tell us die. It is finished. Christ called out, cried out on the cross. Salvation, redemption has been bought. As scripture says, eternally. It's an eternal redemption. Everybody says amen to that. All right, so there, hey, by the way, we got our fourth through sixth graders sitting on the front row here this morning. They're going to start hanging out every third Sunday with us uh, during, our, like, during, during the music. Um, but we say, hey, let's bring them, actually, I say we, Nicole and Carrie had the idea, let's bring them in uh, so they all understand, you know, being under the word and being in church and things like that. So we're thankful that they're here. So, hey, Ben, amen all you want, buddy. But there's a, there's a finished work. Right? Uh, it's a, a redemption is finished. It is done. It is complete. But there's also an unfinished work and understanding that's what the book of Acts is, is that the church beginning to be built it is the church beginning to spread the gospel, the church of Christ being built upon the face of the earth. Well, in the Christian experience, there is a work that is already done and there's a work that's not yet been done. 
There, there we live in the middle of already and not yet. Our life is lived in between already and not yet. Right? Already we've experienced salvation. Not yet has Jesus come back to get us yet. Everybody following where I'm tracking so far? We live in the middle between already and not yet. We see it in the verses one through three. First of all, look at the already. The first thing we see is that we have already been raised with Christ. Look at verse one. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. That when Christ died and he was buried, we understand, thanks be to God, that the, that the tomb did not stay occupied. That Christ has been raised. And in Romans, I want to read in a second, Romans chapter six, Paul says, just as Christ has been raised from the dead, you too have been, you've been raised to walk in the newness of life. That we, because of Christ, there's already work that we have been raised with Christ. And there's implications that we'll read in just a minute. And only do we see the already is that we've been raised with Christ, but if we've raised with Christ, then that also means that what? We've died with Christ. We see that in verse three. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Romans chapter 6 is a beautiful picture of this. It's going to come up on the screen. You don't have to flip there. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We'll stop reading there. We understand that for the believer, and this is good news for me and you, that there's already work, that we have died with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, that now uh, Romans teaches us that I am no longer a slave to my sin, that the Christ's victory becomes my victory, that now my stance before God is not in my sin anymore, any longer. I do not stand before the Father condemned and unrighteous, but holy and accepted through the finished work of Christ. The already work that we see is that we've been raised with Christ. We've died with Christ. That not only that, but our life is hidden with Christ. We see that in verse 3, that they are now child of God. I'll need you to understand, no matter what the enemy has been whispering to you this past week, that your life is hidden in Christ and with Christ. No matter what mistakes or whispering, no matter what, you may feel isolated by yourself, alone. Listen to me. Your life is hidden with Christ. It's a already done work. It's already work. But here's something else that's already, and because of this is already happening, we can have the benefit of those first three. We see in verse one what it says, you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Here it is, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's already work, and that already work is that Christ has already come. That Christ already put, took on flesh. That he who knew no sin became sin and died upon a criminal's cross, was placed in the grave. And then three days later, he rose again and hung out here for a little bit longer, but then it was time for him to go home and earth couldn't keep him anymore. And he ascended and he sat down at the right hand of his father saying, it is a finished work. It is a satisfied work. My life can be hidden in Christ because Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. 
I can be dead to my sin because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. It is what allows us to experience those first three. So the already work is that, that, that we, are, we are raised with Christ. We've died with Christ. Our life is hidden in Christ. Speak of safety and security. And that is because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Not only is there an already work, there's also a, a not yet. We see that in verse 3. It says, for you have died. Sorry, verse 4. Verse 4 says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So we understand that there's already work. We just covered that. But there's also a not yet work that one day Christ will return. He will appear in glory. He has promised that he would return. He has promised that he would come get his church. There will be a day when he comes, and it will all be worth it as we sing, that we will see him face to face. Listen to me, that our faith will become sight. Like, it, like that should energize deep within that this thing that we have held on to or held on to us by faith, that one day it will no longer be, it will be sight. We will see him. Matter of fact, 1 John says it like this in chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, God, and so we are. So there is a, that is a already work, right? We are children of God. So he said, this is by the love of God, we've become children of God, and yes, we are children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Verse 2, listen, what's this? Beloved, we are children now already. But what we will be has not yet appeared, uh, not yet. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So there is a reality of the already that, yes, we are children of God now. We experience relationship with God now. We experience through faith all these things of becoming a children of God. But there will be a day that he does come and we will see him in his fullness. We will see him in his glory. We will be as him, scripture says, fully experiencing complete unity with the Father in presence. So we understand the already Right? We say, yeah, well, you understand what Christ has done. We understand the not yet. But between the already and not yet, there's a lot of life to live. Am I with me? Like, there's a, there's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of tension that's going on here. Like, the, the, if for, for the believer, if, if maybe, you're, maybe it's just me because I'm, I'm getting older and cynical, but, like, you feel this, like this tension within you, like as the, as the, as each year goes by, it's like there's this like oh, this is not my place. This is like things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Listen, that's because like as the child of God, this is not our home. So deep within, the Holy Spirit is welling, saying, "This is not uh, you're not of this. This is not you." There will be a day when He does appear. When He appears, we will appear with Him in glory. But man, there is. <laughs> There's a lot of life lived in between the already and not yet. And so what does he say? So we see the already, we see the not yet, but the third thing we see is the in-between. So if you've been raised with Christ, what does he tell us to do? Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So in between the already 
and the not yet, the first thing he says is to seek the things that are above, where Christ is. The second thing that we see in verse 2, it says, in between the already and not yet, not only do you seek the things that are above, but set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So, the already, the not yet, what does Paul tell us to do? Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. All right, that sounds cool, but how do we do that? Like, let's don't talk, just be like, oh, wishy-washy, like, yeah, you know, just think good thoughts. Positive thinking makes positive direction. You think right, everything's, no, that's not what we're talking about here. I believe that from 5 through 17, Paul's fleshing out what it means to set our, things, set our mind on things above. To set our mind and to seek the things that are above. I think 5 through 17, he tells us how we go about living life in between the already and the not yet. Everybody following with me so far? Okay. Now, we live between the already and the not yet. So how do I do that? How do I live the in-between? How do I do these things? Because the reality is there's a the journey that, that, we, that we, we feel in the all, between the already and not yet is, is deeply, we live it through a deeply fallen world that does not operate the way, operate the way that God has intended. And here's kind of my direction that we're going to jump into. What we begin to understand, the more that we follow Jesus and sit under his word, is that we come to understand that the already and the not yet, that in between that is I find myself still struggling with the remaining presence of sin in my own life. So how do we, in this journey, that I'm reminded and I see even my own self, this remaining, like Christ has done this, like we, say, we said this past few weeks, he has saved me from the penalty of sin already, yet to come, he will save me from the presence of sin. But right now, I still deal with it. Like, I still struggle. Am I the only heathen in here? Like, like right now, like, I understand, like, the power and the, the bondage of sin has been taken away, but sometimes it still feels so heavy. And right now, in this time in between the, the already and not yet, I believe because Scripture teaches that God is delivering me more and more from the power that it has on my life, but also even the pleasure of it. And this is where we're going to start interjecting small group stuff in a minute. So let's keep going. How do I do that? I believe in 5 through 17, we see Paul begin to flesh out, both in a negative sense, putting something to death, but also putting something on. There's a positive sense in this, uh, this attack against, and how do we do this? How do we continue to walk between the already and the not yet, that there is a, there's a negative sense that we, we fight, but there's also a positive sense, and what we'll come to realize is that that thing is a group project, okay? This isn't just out of left field. We're going somewhere. And so let's keep, let's jump in. So he says, Therefore, so he says, put to death, therefore. So therefore means we need to stop and see what it's, 
Therefore, and so he just came off of, this is what God has done in your life in Christ Jesus. This is what he's going to do because this is your reality, because you've been raised with Christ, you've died with Christ, because your life is hidden in Christ, because Christ is seated at the right hand of God, because he will come back one day, you will appear with him in glory. Because of that, put to death, therefore, what is, utterly, what is earthly in you. So how do we do this? How do we live between death when it comes to my own sanctification or my own holiness? How do I walk between the already and the not yet? Is number one, if you're taking notes, just recognize that sin still remains in you. They pause for a moment. Say, what do you mean? I thought, I thought I've died to sin. No, Paul says here, put to death, therefore, that what is earthly in you. See, if we really want to be serious about following Jesus, we have to get off our high horses, our religious high, high horse, and realize, hey, I, I'm still broken right now. I still haven't got everything figured out. Unfortunately, the, the, the more that we hang out in church, the, more, the less honest we become. The more mask we begin to put on. I don't know why it's that way. I don't know what what pressure in South Mississippi has created this idea that church is a place for the people that are put together? I don't know where that came from. And I'm sorry if we've ever led in a way that, like, that we say, hey, this is, but the reality is, is that the place that we started in this idea of putting, putting to death the sin that remains in us is recognizing that sin does still remain in us. Here he's talking to the church, y'all. He's not writing to people who don't know Jesus. And what does he tell them to do? Put to death what is earthly in you. And he lists them, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, and idolatry. Wait, these things aren't, this isn't a part of the church of God. Well, he wrote, he says, listen to me. These things still remain in you. Let's put them to death. Yes, there's already work that Christ has done to forgive you of your sin. And one day, not yet, but one day, we'll be saved from the presence of sin fully. But right now, we're still wrapped in this thing called our flesh. It isn't redeemed fully, if you will. It's still fallen and broken, but there will be a day that this old nasty flesh that's dying every day that craves the things of the world and evil, it will be done away with. But right now, I'm still wrapped up in it. We see it in Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, there's things that I know I ought to do, but I don't do them, and I do the things I shouldn't do, and there's a silver war that goes on. And in Galatians 5, that the, that the, that the, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh to keep you from doing the things you ought to do. That the reality is by definition, as a child of God, you have a civil war that's going on within you. That on one side, there's your flesh that says this. On the other side, there's the spirit of God that says no this. Matter of fact, if you feel that tension, that should be quite of an encouragement that the Holy Spirit is actually residing within you. Like if you're aware of your sin, don't shy away from that. Be thankful that God has exposed that to you. All right, so Paul says, listen to me, but let's put to death all the evil that is within us, anything earthly that is still in us. And here's the problem. I'm going to land the plane eventually. Here's the problem, is that we are often blind to our own tendencies. 
right? We have to recognize the sin that's still within us. It's easy for us to recognize the sin that's in somebody else's life. But the more sin that's in our life, the more blind we become to our own deficiencies. The best thing you can do for that is to get married because they will remind you of your own deficiencies. I love you, babe. But let's be honest for a second. It's a whole lot easier to point out somebody else's sins than it is to deal with our own. We're spiritually blind to it. Pride within our own lives keeps us blind to our own deficiencies. Am I the only one? Verse 8. Don't you go to verse, verse 7. It says, in these you two, what? You once walked. All right, so pause for a moment. Like, here's a newsflash for you. He says, let's put to death anything earthly in you, but those things are things you once walked. So things could still be, you follow me? Like, there could still be a struggle there, but you don't walk in it. Anybody with me? Like, you see this in Scripture? He says, let's put to get all the earthly things that are in you, those things you, you once walked in them, you used, to, used to follow them, you used to, they used to be your life, but what has happened? But now, verse 8, you have put, but he said, you once walked but you were, while you were living in them, verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger. So he, <laughs> pause for a moment. So the first one was like sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. We're like, until we got idolatry, because, I mean, we're all, I mean, let's be honest, I can start naming some things. Uh, that aren't carved in statues. Uh, But then he goes, (laughs) but also put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Then he says, don't lie to one another. See that you have put off the old self with its practices. So I think the first step in this idea of living, living life in between because listen, here's the thing. I don't think, I don't, I hope not. I don't, scripture, I don't think that the Christian life that's lived between the already and the not yet has to be one of drudgery. Anybody with me? I don't think it has to be one like, Jesus, please come back. This world is so stupid. I don't want to live here no more. We don't, we don't have to, we can, we can be people that smile. Like, we can do that. We can come to church with a smile on our face. We can be joyful people. We can, we can enjoy life. I really, and I'm not saying like your best, but I think, I think that life, and listen to me, why wouldn't our life get like, not as in good as in like bad things don't happen, but why wouldn't our life get more enjoyable if we know that we got the God of all the universe residing within us? How couldn't it make it more joyful? How couldn't it make it more joyful that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil because he's going to be right there with me. How, how, how couldn't it be more enjoyable that he stick closer, closer than a brother? Like he'll never leave me nor forsake me that the same God who sustains the heavens and the earth, the same God who allows the wind to blow and the rain to stop. He can stop doing that right now, but he allows the rain to fall. The same God 
that doesn't sleep nor slumber, but watch it over you each and every day. How couldn't that make us more joyful? But anyway, that's not even a part of the sermon. But in living between the already and the not yet, living this life that God has designed for us to live, I believe scripturally here, we have to recognize that sin still remains in us. That there's this battle that's taking place, right? Everybody with me? Luke could tell me later if I'm butchering this word, but that, <laughs> like, like that, that's, that's where we are. We, we see this, this still remains in you. But he says, you once walked in it, so there's a sermon there, I'm not stopping there. You once walked, that the sin can still be at the door, but we don't have to what? Open it. But the second thing is, not only do we recognize that sin still remains in us, but the second thing is that we let the word of God transform the way we think about sin. See this in, let's, put on, let's go to verse nine, because I want to read the, self, the last part. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, here it is, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, here's the thing. When God saves us and when God is sanctifying us, it's not just a behavioral, moral behavioral modification. It isn't that we just start cleaning up the outside. Matter of fact, Jesus, nothing made him more mad in the gospels than people who clean up the outside but inside are still dead. All right, he called them whitewashed tombs. But where I believe that God's aim is, is that he begins to change the way that we think about things. Uh, the way we feel about things. He begins to change our taste for things. Right? Like he, I think that's why often he, you know, he's referred to as the living water, like taste this water and it's so much better than that water. He told the woman at the well in John 4, you'll never thirst again. She was going to get thirsty again. Let's be honest, like physically, like she would get thirsty again. What was he saying? Once you drink of this water, you won't have to search anywhere else to find water anymore because you know where to find it. The bread of life. You can take bread over here, but this bread, it is sufficient and filling. It nurtures. says to put off the old self with this practice and put on the new self which is being renewed and knowledge of its creator in Romans chapter 12 another familiar passage of scripture it's one of the favorites for youth groups to put on t-shirts and name their denials after Paul you haven't done yet so I appreciate it <clears throat> but I guarantee you as I began reading this some of you who grew up in church go oh yeah I remember that denial or I remember that, whatever weekend y'all called it back in your day. But anyway, 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as, living as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We know this verse, right? Do not be conformed to this world. But here it is, ready? Actually, let's pause there for a moment. We start thinking about conformed to this world. Our minds are going to the list. In Colossians chapter three, right? Like we're not going into idolatry. We're not going to sexual immorality. We're not going here. We're not going there. We begin to think about actions. Anybody with me? 
Like, do not be conformed means don't act like the world acts. That's the way that I see that. My mind automatically goes there. And so we mind, whenever we begin to think about this living sacrifice, we begin to about thinking about things that I do. I've got to start doing things differently or stop doing things that are bad or start doing things that are good. But check out what he says. He says, do not be conformed to this world, what? but be transformed, Paul's, not stop doing bad things, but transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. That this transformation begins not in this outward activity, if you will, but God begins to change our minds the way that we see things and think about things. So now flip back when he says, to put on the new self, which is renewed in the knowledge after its creator, here's what I wrote down. When, we, when the way we think about thing, the things that are listed here, whenever the, what we think about them changes, we'll be more, li- more likely or more prone to put them to death. At first, John, whenever he says, if you have sin, you confess your sin, he'll forgive, right? We know those verses. You know what the word confess actually means? To say the same thing about it that God does. Like the sin that's deep within your life, until we start saying the same thing about it as God does, we'll never put it to death. Well, what can change my my mind about these things? The word of God, the spirit of God. So we recognize that there's sin, sin that still remains in us. We let the word of God change the way we think about it. But here we go, like I said before. About to start landing. Here we go. Like I said before, we are often blind to our own tendencies and our own sin. Like I said, we can see them in everyone else, but not our own times, oftentimes. <clears throat> this is why we need others to help us see them. 12 through 14, Paul switches from this negative of putting to death. In verse 12, he says, putting on. You ever notice, like, put to death, like, the things that are in you? That seems like it's so close, but putting on is like something that's so far away. Like, anyway. It says to put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved and compassionate hearts. Pause for a moment. So here we're progressing through. Number one, we recognize that sin still remains in us. Number two is we allow the word of God to transform our hearts, our minds, the way we think about that sin. Number three, here we are. We remember whose we are. Notice I didn't say remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Check out what he says in verse 12. Put on them, before he tells us put on them, he says, as what? God's chosen ones. He actually calls them holy and what? Beloved. Hey, child of God, I want you to understand this morning, even though, even though sin still remains in you, that between the already and the not yet, that each day we're, we're, we're grinding this thing called life where we are trying to die to ourselves day in and day out. And sometimes it's, it's easier than others. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's the flesh wins. Sometimes the spirit wins. Like, let's be honest, there's a silver war. Listen, there will be a day that that silver war is done, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, but right now is where I'm living. Am I with me? Like, that's where we are. 
Be reminded this morning that you are God's chosen ones. Like it's important. Because oftentimes, listen to me, the feel of sin in your life, child of God, when, you, when we've blown it, and oftentimes we feel like, have I, have I, have I done, have I, have I sinned the last time? Has God, has God, has God wrote me off? Was that the one that I lose my salvation there? Was that the sin that, that the unforgivable one is like, is that, am I done? It's important not only do we recognize, listen, not only do we recognize that I still deal with this sin and that the word of God can help me change my view of it. But even while I was still dead in my sins, that the father still sent the son to redeem me. Somebody needs to be told that this morning. I don't know why I felt just like somebody needs to be reminded, hey, God's love for you has not been voided because of something that's going on in your life. Well, listen to me, or some struggle that you've been struggling with. Something you once walked in, but man, the struggle not to keep walking in has been tough. Because sin's still there. Am I speaking to somebody right now? Like, like it, it's still present. You're not, wa- you're not letting it win, but man, you are tired of the struggle and the fight. I want you to know right now that you are God's chosen one. That you are the holy. You are holy because of work that what has already been done. Not something that's going on in your life right now, not something that you're trying to achieve and maintain, but something that's already been done. And because of the already work, listen to me, there will be a day when he comes that that battle that's been weighing you down your whole life, that battle will be done with. But right now, in your tension, in your struggle, that God, He says, you're my chosen, you're my beloved. I've chosen you in my son. I made you a part of my family. And he doesn't tear up the adoption papers. He doesn't get, you are in his family for the rest of your life. Romans 6. Again, I don't think I gave you this one, Kennedy. Verse 14, this comes at the end of Paul's talk about dying to sin, raising to life. This is what he says in verse 14. He says, listen to the the militant talk here. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law and under grace. Because of the work that's already been done, because you're a child of the king, because you are part of the beloved, scripture says that this sin, this this tension, this battle, it will not destroy you. It will not beat you. It will not subdue you. So he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he says, now put on then compassionate hearts. Notice, 
I don't have time to do it, but notice the contrast between the list and 5 through 11 and the list from 12 through 17. How one is about idolatry and covetousness and, and slander and all these things. And then this list that we're putting on the new self is compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Forgiveness. Bearing with one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Verse 14, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And verse 15 is where I've got point number four. So not only do we recognize that sin is still in us, that we allow the word of God to, to change the way we think about sin, we remember we, all those things are going on, but we remember whose we are, right? Like my life is no longer mine. I, I keep going like we've been bought with a price. My life... My life belongs to God now. He purchased me. Number four is that we commit to the word of God and the people of God. Practically, how do I live between the already and the not yet? It's impossible without committing ourselves to God's truth and God's people. It's impossible. I say it. It's possible because God, he who began a work in you will finish that work. But in between the not yet or the already and the not yet, your life doesn't have to be isolated. It's included in drudgery. You can experience tangibly the character of God through his word and his people. As his people walk with you, through life, encourage you through life. That, that God has gifted us with his word and his church for the time in between the already and the not yet. You see that picture? Like that, that is the gift of the church. He says this in verse 15. <laughs> And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Speaking textually here, he's not speaking to individual Christians. He's speaking to the one another's. So he's saying this statement to all of them. How do we put on? How do we, how do we put to death and how do we put on? Is that we do this, that, that we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. The, the, the word peace there is, is it, it comes from our peace with God, the already work. It, it's, a, it's a sign of, of we're allowing this Christ who has given us peace to be the, the ruler. The, the picture, I believe, is like an umpire who is, who is dictating the way the game's going to go. And the imagery there said, the way that we put these things on is you as a church, not just individually, but you as a church, each member, we let the peace of Christ, let it rule, let it be what guides the believers in decision-making and everything else that Christ is seated on a throne and we are letting his peace rule our life. He's the one who's making the decisions. He's the one that's leading. He's the one that's moving. But how do we do that? It actually says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which is, 
Indeed, you were called to one body. And he says, and be thankful. Like that. <laughs> Just be thankful for that. If we be thankful enough for that, then that would probably do us some good. But got to keep going. How do we, how do we let the, the peace of Christ rule our hearts? Number verse 16 is let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. How can we, how can we let the peace of Christ rule our hearts and love one another and these things that he's calling us to how do we live between the already and the not yet is that we is that we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly the same word of here he's speaking of the, the revealed word aka the bible this thing that some see as out of date and irrelevant is the very thing that allows us and sustains us through the power of the Holy Spirit from the already to the not yet. And check this. Here's, I'm about to land it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Here you go. Teaching and admonishing. So pause for a moment. All right, they're talking about Justin and Luke here. They're talking about the people who get up and teach and preach. No, check out what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. What does he tell in the church? That every one of you are Bible students. That everyone who's in the church should be teaching and admonishing one another. That as, as the body of Christ, we, yes, God has given, and uh, we can read it in Ephesians, that God has given pastors and teachers to, to, do the, you know, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but he's also given the church to the church so that the church can teach and admonish one another. What we need is, we need one another to help us what? See our blind spots. It's one of the gifts of small groups and community and asking, inviting someone into our life that says, hey, I'm, I'm asking you to come into my life to help me see where I'm blind. To help me see what I've neglected. To assess my marriage with my wife, if you will to call me out on how I'm treating my kids. John MacArthur says, we see here in this passage, the three priorities of the Christian life is God's peace, God's love, or Christ's peace, Christ's love, and Christ's name. And we end it. Verse 17, we do whatever in word or in deed, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. So how does that, I feel like those four points were kind of application driven, but what does that mean here? Like how, does, how do we make that to ground surface here at Cross Point? I'm glad you asked. You know this, I'm gonna remind you. Here at Cross Point, we exist for what? For God's glory. Everything we do, everything we say, we want it to be about God's glory. And the way that we think we could bring God the most glory is by committing ourselves to three things. The first one is God's truth. 
We've seen just in this passage how effective it is in the life of the believer, how it changes our minds about the way we think about things, how it is what equips us to, to continue to walk between the already and the not yet. We commit ourselves to God's word. Secondly, we commit ourselves to God's people. We connect, we commit ourselves to God's people. So Justin, we, we just got to, I'm, we're not gonna be done talking about this. Because we believe if we, commit ourselves to God's truth and God's people and God's mission, we will bring him much glory. And so we commit to God's people. And that is both obviously in obedience to the Lord, to honor the Lord, to give him glory, but committing to God's people is both <coughs> for, the, for the for my brother and my sister in Christ, but also for me. When we, when we don't commit ourselves to God's people locally in a local body, it robs the church of your calling and your gifting, but also robs you from being able to experience the gift of God's people to you. So we commit ourselves to God's people. How do we do that? We're people in place, right? We've committed that we're gonna, we're gonna meet together on a weekly basis on Sundays as, as best we can. We will be here on Sundays. As a people in place, we're gonna gather together and we're going to pray. We're gonna sing songs. We're gonna get under God's truth. We're gonna respond as the Holy Spirit leads. We're a people in place. Listen to me. Nothing, listen to me. It's, it's, this, is, this is great. Like this, is, this is a great thing. It's beautiful to see God's people come together to be a people under one place to to worship him. Not only do we commit to God's people by being a people in place, we also commit to God's people by being a people in places, which is a fancy way of saying we are going to commit to smaller groups of people, AKA called small groups. Where we're going to invest into people. And I'll listen to me and allow people to what? Invest in me. <clears throat> Scripture clearly teaches that my walk with God is a community project. That I need people, I need people, how can I say this? That are as concerned about my walk with God as they are their own. And I'm not saying like pointing fingers, I'm better than, I'm saying I need people who love the Lord, their God with all their heart, their soul and their strength. And they want me to love the Lord, their God with all my heart, soul and strength. Are you follow me? We need to yoke ourselves to people who love Jesus more than anything. And they want me to love Jesus more than anything too. That's the beauty of connecting with one another. Because as long as sin is still present, there will be pockets of blindness in all of our lives. We have delusion that we know ourselves better than anyone. But the problem is we can't see ourselves better than anyone. (laughs) We need people to help us see ourselves, listen to me, with biblical accuracy. 
Like, this is what it means to be a man of God. This is what it means to be a woman of God. This is what it means to be a child of God. This is what it means to follow Jesus between the already and the not yet. This is what it looks like. I said it last week. I need people, when I get off the rails, to come and jerk me back onto the rails. And as do you. Thirdly, we connect to God's mission. We commit, we, we see where God's at work. We've seen this where we, we see where God's at work and what do we do? We join him in that work. Tonight at Small Group Leader Training, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But, so what's the practical application for you this morning? Very specific. It's not broad stroke. Actually, I got two. A, have you believed in Christ Jesus? Has this, this work of already not yet, is it your reality? Do you experience what I'm talking about, this, this inner turmoil of the already not yet? Have you experienced the benefits of being God's chosen ones, his beloved? If not, I want to invite you to trust in Jesus who's already done a work that you don't have to do anything for it. But here's super specific application. Will you commit to God's people, not just a people in place, but being the people in places? I'm gonna be honest with you. It's been hard even for me and Ashley since 2020, since COVID, for us to connect to a small group. Different reasons, babies, other things, but there's a renewed commitment even with me and her that we're gonna commit ourselves to a small group of people. Is, that, is it okay for me to be that honest? Josh, am I gonna get fired after that? No. Renewing our commitment to small groups of people say, so maybe the application for you is for, for, for God to renew within you. Hey, I need to connect to a group of people. I need to recommit to my small group. You say, Justin, I don't have a small group. I want to start this sermon, end the sermon where I started, inside the foyer. There's a piece of paper that's got a column that says names and number. Will you write your name and number? If, you, if you're interested, just fill it out. Write your name and number on there. And one day this week, brother, me, Daniel, Luke, Ryan, Paul, somebody will call you and help you get connected or at least where to start. Everybody understand? Super simple application of that. That whole sermon was just to get you to sign up for small group. Just kidding. But to see, for us to see the value in community, for us to see the value in that this, this thing is a group project. Cool. I need to be quiet because... See what time it is. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be standing out here. Actually, I'll be standing in the back. <laughs> Luke could be on one side. I'll be on the other. If you need to pray, if you say, Justin, I need to experience the already and hope for the not yet, then come talk to us. All you got to say is, I need Jesus, and we can talk with you through that. If there's something else you need to pray for, we pray for you. If you don't feel comfortable talking to a man, uh, if you're a lady who needs to talk, if you feel more comfortable talking to another lady, we connect you with them. Um, Many super spiritual, awesome godly women who would love to walk and talk and pray with you. Cool. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it just teaches us every time we open it. God, I thank you for the work that's already been done. It gives us confidence of the work that is yet to be done. But God, it gives us power in the work that you're doing now. 
<laughs> the past gospel work and the future gospel work gives power to the present gospel work, God. So we, we just pray now that in this thing called life, that we understand that <laughs> we are called to live it together, to connect to one another, to fulfill the one another's through scripture. Because in doing so, we glorify you, but also it's a testimony to the world. <laughs> so God, renew our commitment to one another. Make it a fresh. God, break my heart for my brother and my sister and their, their journey with you as much as you have for myself. With humility and gentleness and meekness. God, as we began to sing the song that we're about to sing, this blessing that we sing over one another. God, may we cry it out for our neighbor that's sitting beside us. May we cry it out for our kid that's in the kid's ministry. May I cry it out for my friend's kid that's in the kid's ministry. May we cry it out for a couple that's been facing hardship. May we sing it out, may we pray it out for, for the man who, who knows he's not leading his family the way that you've called him to, but you're his chosen, he's your chosen, your beloved. Maybe for the, for the wife who he carries it well, but it's getting heavy. May we cry out over them. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.